Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing the Vertigo Tour. I ended up with Vertigo after trying to trying to sit through this. Miracle drug. Awesome. There's a reason for them to be revisiting these old songs. Doesn't look good, does it? What? Just keeps going on and on and... Possibly that is the best U2 experience I've ever had. Hello, hello. I'm at a place called Vertigo and welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of Review 2. My name is Tyler. Here with me is Johnny. Say hello, Johnny. Konnichiwa. That's to our recent Japanese listeners. We are two bespectacled U2 fans. We love talking about that too. We are your hosts, and today we will be continuing our journey through the story of U2 Live as we discuss the Vertigo Tour, live in Chicago. Yeah, so we could start with a few general stats for this tour, the Vertigo Tour. It began on the 28th of March, 2005. It ended on the 9th of December, 2006, and it had five legs and 131 shows. And this tour essentially broke a huge amount of records it was incredibly successful i don't know if that's something that came up for you in the research it also um, went on for a very very long time yeah which is good in some respects I bad mean, in others i remember quite uh, well obviously because this is the time when i was you know a u2 fan this was the first thing the first tour they'd done it while i was a fan i have a lot of memories from the whole tour time frame, but it, we're talking like two and a bit years. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of crazy because obviously my life changed. As a teenager, life seems to change every week. So my life changed quite a lot during the mm. course of this tour. So I went through utter uh, adulation and really wanting a ticket and having a very nervous day where I think either yourself or Vinny were trying to get us tickets. Yeah. And then on the walk home from school, one of you rang me and told me that you you'd got them. There was genuine concern that we Having just yeah. got into U2 at the end of, of the Elevation tour, as in we, we missed that window of getting tickets. Yeah, We spent about four years just waiting and waiting, and the idea that we could have missed it would have been horrific. Well, I'd only spent about a year waiting, mm. but I, I know that it went from being really excited, wanting to go and see the tour, to going to see the tour, uh, and then the DVD coming out, and then I probably sort of, you know, tailed off with the tour. I didn't really, I wasn't really keeping up with it that much. And then I remember mm. being on new2.com in 2007 and they were still touring it in places like Hawaii and, and places like that. 2007, really? Yeah. Mm. I seem to remember it going on for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think they did do those final gigs. Because they were playing Window time. in the Skies on some of the later dates. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I just remember it seemed to... If, been going for absolutely years and in a way i suppose it was well i mean it was incredibly successful so i mean to to give us a few stats uh, the tour grossed uh 260 million in dollars that is in 110 sold out concerts in 2005 making it the top grossing tour of the year um and u2's management company principal management won um top manager and by the time it finished i'm doing quite a lot of wikipedia quoting here so just bear with me they sold 4,619,000 tickets or thereabouts for a total gross of 389 million. So that's a lot. Yeah, it was it's like insanely successful as a tour. That's that's twice what Elevation did. If I and I'm not I'm not looking at any figures here, but if mm-hmm. I can remember last week's episode then that's that's 
Yeah, that's two elevation tours. And it's, I mean, this is you two probably at the commercial peak. Certainly in the 2000s, I don't think they get any bigger than this, and they certainly get lower. Yeah. Um, the, the... Vertigo and all of the iPod adverts and things like that. I mean, I will say, we did discuss that kind of thing quite a lot when we reviewed the album, so obviously go back to the, if, you, if you'd like to listen to that. Um, but no, I mean... I think it's worth reiterating that the world has changed since Elevation. Yeah. Um, or, or at least, well, yeah, since the Elevation tour. Um, kind of a... In terms of politics, it was a much more dangerous place and a very unsteady time, unstable time. But mm. in terms of music as well, now that um, Apple and iPod are out and downloads are... Becoming the fast becoming the number one way in which people listen to music. That's that's a huge change from four years ago, where you where most people would have bought the CD. Yeah, uh, and you two are right in the middle of that, with Bono's head being the 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 old icon for artists. They've changed it now. Yeah, they changed it. Um... They bowed to peer pressure. I mean, I'm surprised that he lasted it as long as he did as that little icon. I guess a lot of people just didn't notice, but I always thought it was pretty cool. And I did notice that um, during the original The Species um, performance on this tour, he, that syncs up perfectly with the shape yeah. of Bono's head on that bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but where are we in terms of the tour? Well, um, the show that we're going to review tonight is the Chicago tour. It's the Chicago show, mm. even. And it's filmed about midway through the first leg which is the North American leg of the tour, and it was Bono's birthday. I do think there are there's a couple of shows recorded, but for all intents and purposes, let's just say it's, it's May the 10th. I think you it's always Bono's want to birthday. you want to sweep under the rug the fact that these shows are sometimes an amalgamation. Is that because it destroys the magic of it? Uh, yeah, it, te- it certainly takes you at the moment, and it's hard to have the same escapism. I mean, in a show like this, an indoor show, you're not going to see the same... The same kind of things that, that I was talking about with Slane, uh, mm. the Slane Castle gig, were one day it was brighter than the next day, and you know, you don't have that jarring aspect yeah. between shots. But well, I'll I'll come on to that, uh, what I was about to say. Well, just to just to say on the whole, I think actually we can sum this up pretty easily because I think it's only forty that was um, used from the 9th of May rather than the tenth of May, um, so. I think that's pretty much the only thing. So I think we do get a pretty, a pretty solid singular show here because they right, okay. they close out the set um, with with um, what did they close with on the tenth? Um, Vertigo, um, the the whole you know let's play Vertigo again, and we'll get to that later on. Well, I did a um, a bit of research the other night, uh, and which U two song do you think? that we have seen played the most in terms of our own live shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, which it, which it is. Oh, um, Beautiful Day? No, Vertigo. Is it? Because we saw it twice oh, in yeah. Manchester. Great. Um, so, but it was quite surprising, our top five or top ten, whatever I did, because songs like Bullet the Blue Sky and Pride in the Name of Love aren't really as high as you'd think. Mm. Um, so that if I can find that list before the end of the show, I will do. Okay. But it, it made for some interesting 
reading. <laughs> I mean, maybe not listening. But... Yeah, I was going to say, define interest in there. Um, it might be a little bit odd as well, this show, because, um, as in this podcast, because I imagine we'll be ping ponging between the Chicago DVD and memories from Manchester when we watched the band on the 15th of June 2005. So, sort of apologies for that, but I think this is interesting because this is the first time in this whole show experience, the live season, where we were able to say, oh, that was our show, we went there. This was our first experience watching U2 live, and mm. that's that's really interesting to me. Yeah, we may at a later date actually cover that show and the Milan show, but main, mainly we're going to be talking about Chicago, but we may compare and contrast with a couple of things that we've seen elsewhere. Mm. Um, to the to the fans that went to the European leg of the tour, uh, this show may look a little bit different in that it has a complete ellipse B stage. Yeah. Uh, whereas in in Europe, it had kind of testicles, didn't it? Really, it had two long arms with circles at the end of it. I mean, and I what is going on with you anatomically then? Well, you know, it's not exact. It's not an exact, you know. Thank, thank the heavens. Representation, but it is. It did either ovaries or testicles. It's it always reminded me of. Right. Okay. Again, I think that's something interesting about you. But yeah, it's a, it's a different format to to the one that we're getting here. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think that was a lot of the impetus not to go. Not to look ahead too far, that was a lot of the impetus behind the 360 experience being a purely stadium-only thing because I think the band were a bit unhappy with the fact that there was a mix and a lot of the US crowds weren't getting that whole huge experience. Um, yeah. Mm, I, 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 see, I always thought of Vertigo as, a, as an arena tour, but we saw it in a stadium. There was a lot of stadium gigs on that tour. This is when you two started to build themselves back up again to doing bigger shows after the Elevation tour. Yeah. I mean, I always thought of this DVD as being somewhat similar in crowd size to Boston Yeah. with Elevation. But it's not. It's absolutely huge inside. Well, the- Is it the All-State... It's the um, the Chicago United Center, United Center, and right. the the fan numbers were seventy seven thousand one hundred and seventy three. You see, like elevation was sixteen thousand. Was it? Yeah. Wow. It is really small. I'm really bad at keeping figures in my head, but I didn't know it was that that big of a difference. I'm either really good at remembering or really good at making them up, and I'm not sure which <laughs> it is today. Well, someone can pick us up if they if they if they want to. Okay, so we've had a few replies on Twitter about this tour and what people's standout memories were. Yeah, um, and, and I normally ask if there's any fond memories. Of, I think I've asked for the past few tours, mm. um, going back into the 80s. And, and last night when I asked about the Vertigo tour, there was quite a lot of action on, on Twitter, on our tweety page, as I like to call it. Um, there was uh, Mark Power, who follows us. He uh, says that the coexist moment with uh, Bono was a, a bewildering moment. And absolute magic. Mm. Now I remember when I uh, when I was I would have been about fifteen, uh, and I I thought when when I got the DVD of this, I really thought that was a, you know a really cool spectacle. Yeah, um, really iconic. My opinion may have changed a little bit about that, but that leather jacket is still a winner in my opinion. <laughs> Not the message of peace and coexistence amongst different religions and faiths and things. Uh, yeah, just cool jacket, Bono. Yeah. Um, Who else then? 
uh, we got uh, Mark Reed got in touch with us and said that it's the most impotent version of Bullet ever. Yeah, see, I thought I, when I read that, my eye scanned it uh, as the important. most important. Yeah. yeah, so very interesting. Obviously, you can't go into much depth in a tweet, but that's very interesting because I I think either reading could work. The most important, most impotent. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll agree with Mark because he said that playing Vertigo twice was it absolutely baffled him. And well, I agree with him about that. I didn't mind at the time, but now it, it seems really strange. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Uh, we've also got Michael McIlwee. And if I haven't pronounced that right, Michael, then I'm really very sorry. It's but probably he... McIlwee. I don't, I don't know how, how I just said that. Well, this is entertaining, isn't it? Apologies, uh, Michael. Uh, <laughs> the He saw them on the third and final night in Dublin. Apparently, no pressure on the band. I think there'd be a lot of pressure, on, you know, in but the They've settled in by that point. I think is what he means. Well, well, that's true. He says uh, the wherever he saw this, I'm not sure where the actual gig was, but it was full of passionate fans. A late start and a late finish, and U2's longest set ever at that point. Yeah, which I think was confirmed by uh, the U2 setlist people, wasn't it? Um, there is. It was the longest at that point. Yeah, and then there's one that's beat it on the Innocence and Experience tour. Uh, a sort of homecoming uh, said that she took her daughter to this this tour, and mm. that was her daughter's first gig. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was the first gig ever, but certainly the first U two gig. Well, on the subject of parents, my dad went to this gig with us. He did, yeah. And I asked him this morning about it. I said, "What do you remember? What were the standout moments?" And he said, "The weather was nice." And I was like, "Come on, you've got to th- think of something more specific than that." And I think he basically just said the the show was impressive, and he he just really enjoyed the crack there. So um, that that for our international listeners, not not the drug, just the general atmosphere of happiness and you know chat. Yeah. It was it was a good day. It I, was a fantastic. I, day. I remember I, I got to finish school earlier. Early, uh, my mum gave me a note to give to my teacher <laughs> saying I was going to the dentist. Uh, and I I went in until like first break, so I was in school for like two hours. But that's just what my mum was like. To she would make me go and you have to show your face, mm. and then you can truant. You know, then <laughs> then you can then you can run away from school and, and go and watch the best band in the world. So just to confirm what I was saying before, at U two gigs, which is a really good site, and I use it a lot when I prepare for the shows. Um, they confirmed that at that time. This was the longest gig, um, but it has been tied a few a few times since then. Yeah. So, um, that that must have been pretty impressive. I don't know if I would realise at the time that it was the longest gig, mm. but surely that's something you pick up after, unless Bono is going, "Oh yeah, it's the longest gig ever." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sounded like Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> from Family Guy. You know. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, well great. Um, I'm gonna eat this whole sandwich. Finish it later. <laughs> okay, so let's get right back on topic. Um, as we've mentioned, Manchester. I think it's probably worth just having a chat about a review. So um, David Cheel reviewed this, and he said there were many times during this show when I feared for the structural integrity of the entire stadium. Such was the bounciness of the crowd. Is there another band on the planet capable of sparking such an awe-inspiring reaction? I don't think so. And I think that's a really good write-up because you 2 had a lot to live up to playing these gigs. They had jumped headlong into a very commercial deal with um, Apple and having you know the silhouettes of them all playing Vertigo, 
draws a lot of attention and a lot of that negative, but they were able to prove it live that this show was worth it. And a song like Vertigo isn't isn't just a throwaway pop song. It's an absolute belter live and it and it gets people excited. And I was I was so glad that our crowd was up for this when we went to see them. It would have been horrible if the first time I'd been to see my favourite band the crowd had been a bit underwhelming. You see, that couldn't happen for me because the excitement for this show was its pretty intense. You certainly yeah. didn't get the level of hate that you get for you 2 now. Uh, and I was at school and you you always seemed to know what everybody was into at school. I don't know. I, well, you were defined by what bands you listened to. Yeah, but I, I remember teachers coming up to me and saying, oh, I'm going to one of the Manchester shows. Which one are you going to? Mm. So for the first time, I felt this community with, you know, with adults and yeah. and uh, students. Uh, and and it, I feel like I made some real good connections yeah. there. So... It it was a it was a really good time and I I felt like I was a part of something special, yeah. Because I was going to this gig and I remember it being on the news because we went on the fifteenth and on the fourteenth the B, uh, BBC Northwest the night, mm. which is the regional BBC news in Manchester. They were at the gig and it was it was massive and I'd never been a part of something like that. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of fond memories, you know, going into this show and it was really really surreal. Um seeing them actually come out in the flesh because for so long we'd just been watching Boston, going back to earlier things, picking up singles and stuff like that and then to actually see them in the flesh was really weird but I I don't remember being at a gig where I felt so much excitement and enthusiasm once once it started and I guess we could talk about this because we we were lucky enough to get into the Ellipse now, I was looking at the documentary that comes along with um, the Chicago DVD and there's lots of the fans turning up and it's kind of a lottery because, as we mentioned on the last episode, people were a bit annoyed at the fact that you simply got to go into the Elevation Heart if you'd stayed there as long as possible. So they did it via lottery. You beat your tickets and if you got a special you know, Vertigo symbol, like the logo thing, then hooray, you, you can go into the, the Ellipse. Did that happen with us? Because I don't remember it being that system. No, because uh, cause our ellipse was open at the end. Mm. We basically just walked in. Well, you hobbled in because you had a broken leg. Yeah, that's, that's also something that I remember. I, I ran and left you behind. I, I Well, I did have a cast going above my knee. Yes, you did, yeah. So I sort of stumped after you quite quickly. But just to clarify, I wasn't so full of adrenaline and enthusiasm that I was running on a broken leg. The cast was literally literally coming off the day after. Yeah. So it pretty much healed. You'd planned that though, hadn't you? You didn't want it coming off before the gig. D- didn't I? No, because you didn't want to, that in, the concert to be the first te- real test of your leg unsupported. <laughs> so you you did. You could have had the cast taken off beforehand. Actually, yeah, that's true. But you decided to keep it on. Yeah. And for anyone wondering how I broke my leg, I'll just say, wear proper footwear when you're playing football on wet grass. It was both the funniest and most horrifying day of my life, maybe. <laughs> well, the thing that I always remember about it um, was that after I, pretty much after I'd registered, oh no, that's not just a sprain, something fundamentally different has happened here, I thought... When, you oh, le- when uh, half of your leg was pointing off at a different angle mm. independent of the rest of your leg that's when i knew there was something wrong yeah that tipped you off well i'm one of my first thoughts after that was 
you two what's going to happen with the gig am i be able to go to the gig because it wasn't that long off obviously yeah um and maybe that sums up how excited we were for our show and we were not disappointed let's say can i also say about that day that you broke your leg it's the only time in my life i think i've ever been laughing and wanting to throw up at the same time well you've said it now so yeah (laughs) so there you go but that that was the journey to vertigo for us um anything else about that that time frame it seems like a massive period of time yeah it feels like another another era but i i just remember not being disappointed in any way with the show and i guess i was a bit more wide-eyed then and was just excited for anything i suppose one thing that i did remember and feel about this was when i saw the the kind of the standards all, all the kind of the classic songs that day i loved them all and would not have wanted to take them out the set list so I but we yeah. we were hearing them for the first time well that's what i want to say um to anyone who's kind of thinking why is johnny being so sniffy about all these great classic songs mm. i i get that if it's your first time seeing them it's a totally different experience and yeah. maybe i'm expecting too much to you know turn up to a u2 gig and expect them to play you know acrobat followed by love comes tumbling you know followed by promenade that's i'd love that but it's not going to happen is it so so this tour was in support of the head dismantle atomic bomb album uh, which was a pretty successful album. It was on TV a lot. Vertigo um, was at number one. Yeah. Um, they had the U2 iPod, mm-hmm. which sold amazingly well. And in your mind, how does Atomic Bomb compare with All That You Can't Leave Behind in time, in terms of the hype, the uh, the criticism, the commercial success? How does it, How does it seem to you? See, I think I remember at the time a lot of people thinking it wasn't quite as good as the previous album. But I actually, having done the whole you know review two episode and the review, I think it's actually stronger in in a lot of places. Definitely there's, more consistent. I think there's a lot of very strong songwriting mm. on how to dismantle an atomic bomb with mercy on it and with one step closer kicked off it. I think it would be undeniable that that would be a, a, a ridiculously strong album. I um I would I would agree with that but in my mind all that you can't leave behind that's kind of it has this glow to it yeah um and, and I don't know why it just seems to be untouchable in, in in some way yeah and then you listen to peace on earth and wild honey and you think mm. I, I I'd ra- I I think if pushed I'd rather listen to all that you can't leave behind but mm. going back and watching the show I really enjoyed the songs from How to Dismantle Atomic Bomb that, that popped up, and I, oh, I haven't heard this in ages. Yeah. So it, it's it's in, an interesting time frame to go back to because I felt I felt at one point like I knew it really well, mm. and now my memory has has faded because I've I, I've gone everywhere else. Maybe I uh, I underestimate the time in which I lived. If you know what I mean, for, well, for you two albums. I think I underestimate this tour overall, really. I mean, watching it recently for this review, I was glad that I'd not overwatched it. I mean, I've watched Pop so many times, same thing with Elevation. So it's a bit difficult for me to appreciate those. Whereas I, I was happy that I hadn't seen this for a while. This is the one I really wasn't looking forward to. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know why. I think the last time I watched it was with you a couple of years ago. Well, it's been a pleasant experience then. Um, might have been last year actually. Hmm. It might have been when we were we were watching this DVD together when we 
said, ah, F it, let's do review two. Yeah, those were the exact words. Do you not remember? We, we were here. Uh, no, not really. Sorry, I, I, I just don't, don't remember the origin story of review two that much. Ah, fair enough. Um, it's probably worth talking a little bit about the um, the surrounding context for the band as well in this for this tour. Um, this time, well, last time we had uh, Bono obviously going through a really tragic period in his life with the illness and loss of his father, and this time um, Edge's daughter Sean had a very serious illness, which threatened to you know almost derail the entire tour really um and i mean for quite good reasons there were a lot of soul-searching questions about well can we do the tour and it came down basically to to edge and morley steinberg his wife's decision do we do the tour do we not do the tour and i think it was a relatively brave decision to actually go ahead and do it and you can tell that that injects a lot of passion during certain songs which we'll get to but I was reading about this in U2 by U2, and it is quite a sad read. Um, and Edge is basically saying he had a very good reason to be elsewhere during all of those shows. So all of the ones that they did play really had to you know, live up to something. I think you can tell there's actually a bit more of an emotional stake in this tour for Edge. Even though, as we know, he's solemn, quite quiet, laid-back guy. Whereas Bono had a real investment in Elevation... And um, Edge was a bit quieter, I think, on that tour. Edge is, you can tell he's invested in this a lot. These gigs have got to mean something. And particular songs, I think, get him quite emotional. I think there's been a, a bit of a change in U2 by this point. Where I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to say that they've matured or, or grown up. It's Maybe that is what it is, though. They, they've yeah. stopped... Um, they they seem a completely different band from say pop. Huh? Yeah, I mean, just compare the leaping around Bono from pop. They're not to, to they're this. not taking this for granted at this point. This is this is special to them. They I think for the first time they start to realize this isn't going to last forever. Mm. This is the first time where I felt you two had aged. They feel the wrinkles a bit more. Yeah, um, they they do seem a completely different band, um, but that adds an emotional weight to it and it's a different it's it's something we haven't seen from you two yet maybe we've always seen glimpses of in certain songs but this is the first time you see them new in in this new era yeah and i mean i'd say the change occurs there's a distinction to be made there well i said the change occurred it happens as a package with the elevation tour i think i think it, they both mark a real change from the previous kind of more exuberant phase of pop mart. Well, as we're talking about U2's uh, maturity and aging, is it worth having a chat about the swag and how the general look of uh, of the band is on this tour? Should we move into that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the main reason I'm bringing that up now is because Bono's hair's gone this sort of interesting auburn kind of colour. Is that the right? Is that the right term? Right. I think Bono is actually. A ginger man, um, without any hair dye. I think his natural colour is is ginger. I think he's actually said that as well. Uh, and this time he still had like the, I suppose you'd describe them as black highlights. It's like mm. he, he was growing his hair out from the elevation tour and letting his natural colour come in. And his beard was, you know, it had, certainly had 
bit bits of ginger in there. Mm. So I I'm sure at the time Bono was saying that his natural hair color is ginger. I don't know if I believe that really. Well, here's my question: Do you think Bono looks older here or on the 360 tour? Oh, here definitely. That's weird, isn't it? Though yeah. considering the amount of time that's elapsed between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, hoping he regenerates again before the experience tour. I would not be expecting that at all. And I also don't want Bono to have like horrible like Well, I don't I quite liked his blonde look, but I don't want Bono to come back having had loads of extensive surgery and Botox and stuff like that and you're thinking he looks a bit like some sort of action. He has man. had Botox or some some kind of surgery before, hasn't he? I I, I don't know. I wouldn't I mean, want to I speculate. Mean, I, I will go on record as, as as speculating that he's had some intervention in the uh, follicle department. <laughs> like Wayne Rooney. And maybe not to that extent, but I, I certainly think that he's had something done. And he lives in the south of France next door to Elton John. You know? What, you think Elton just pops over and says, Bono, do you fancy going for some plastic surgery today? Go on then, Elton. Well, it's not plastic surgery if, it, if it's your hair, is it? Oh no, I suppose so. Yeah. So you don't. Right. Okay. So you're definitely not saying that he's had like a facelift or anything, because I think we'd notice that. I I think I read in the paper. Also, he's not been lifted very high. If he has around this time that he'd had something done, maybe to his neck. Or... Little little tuck. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I but, but, yeah. I don't know. know. I I don't really mind anything like as as long as it's not you know ridiculous and you end up looking like Joanna Lumley. I just think you've got to. It's it's hard being a rock star though, isn't it? Because the pressure is to be you've got to be fit and thin and you know generally. I mean, I think it was Paul Weller who basically said you can't be a fat rock star, um, and he's a very sharp guy. But it's sort of unfair, really, to expect this all your life. Mm. Um, well, back to the actual look. What do you reckon to Bono's? I mean, he's kind of no, nah, he's pretty thin in this. He's pretty thin, but his general look is. Pretty much the same from Elevation, isn't it, really? Apart from uh, later on, which we'll get to. He switched out the leather jacket for a denim jacket with leather patches. Wow, that's a interesting distinction there. But yeah, not not drastically different. Mm. He, um, nice shades, Bono though. does a lot of character play in this. And I think if you were thinking about Bono characters, you wouldn't really think about Joshua, uh, Sorry, Vertigo at all. Mm. But there's a lot of different looks going on in this show for Bono. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but yeah, no, I think you're right with that. Can we talk about my favourite bassist? Uh, yeah, go on. Um, he's still in his baggy trousers phase, isn't he? Yeah, I put still looking drab. This time, baggy shirt as well. So are you ready to admit that Adam is possibly the worst dressed member of you two? Certainly on this tour, <laughs> certainly, yeah. It's just kind of... I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying his silver hair, that's pretty cool. Um... And I think he looks mildly better than he did on Elevation. But I think we're going to have to wait for one next tour for him to actually look really cool. Um, but we'll save that. Yeah. Um, Edge looking effortlessly cool, I think. I, I wish he'd put a little more effort in. <laughs> it's just that, that long sleeve top. You know, Long sleeve tops, they, I'd like to wear a long sleeve t-shirt, but it's, it's not very flashy. And I just, it doesn't, not that I think the edge is ripped, but it could um, a t-shirt could show off the, his arms better. It doesn't really carry his shape very well. Mm. Um, it's a weird red tie-dye kind of material. I quite like it. Um, it's okay. 
it's okay. But I think a cool red leather jacket, you know, with the tassels ver- and stuff in it, the vertigo rings would have been cool. Is it is it not a sin though to wear your own band t shirt or no. logo? No, I don't think it is. Hmm. I would if I was no, if, maybe if I was in a may, band, I maybe a t shirt. Yeah, it. No, don't don't wear a t shirt with you know you two on it. But maybe th- th- this tour had a distinctive look. With yeah. the the red and black lines and the rings and all that love and peace stuff. Yeah. So I don't think it's wrong to have a bespoke jacket with a, a few of that. An ellipse or two on yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, fine. Now that makes sense. Um, Larry, what is the standout feature from Larry Mullen Jr. this tour? Oh, it's her. Yeah, it's amazing. That yeah. her. Yeah, and uh, new clothes to add to his wardrobe uh, with the... Very tasteful, kind of military black shirt. Yeah. Uh, and very, very suave, slim, thin black jeans. And yeah. I think he's got kind of Doc Martens on or something like that. He looks really cool. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of athletes going around at this time. Um, you know, little yes, things on the really top of shoulders. Yeah. yeah, so... I Did mean, you have yes. athlete shirts? Yeah, yeah, I had a black athlete shirt, which I wore pretty much constantly around this around this time. I had a few. I, had a, I know I had a green one. Like, you know, a khaki green one. Hmm. I may have had a black one as well. <laughs> Definitely had a black one. Yeah. Well, Larry looks great. I will say this, though. Who's handing out all these military distinctions? Because him and Bono, throughout this tour, have got all these, you know, faux military, like, medal and bands and stuff. I'm like, you've not done any actual service. I mean, I don't think being in the R10 boys band counts as getting a medal. No, um, I mean, I saw that and I was thinking, oh, well... You don't really get a close up of those. But what what could they be? And if it, if it was me, this would just be my attention to detail. I would have one medal for each tour that they've done. Yeah. So you get the boy tour, the October, you know, and just go through and have the little symbols on. Yeah. That that's what I do. I doubt they did it. They're just probably some props, but yeah. Um, that's what I would. I hoped they would have done, but they didn't. Uh, who else is no one else left to talk about? <laughs> the fifth member, the fifth Paul McGuinness. What was Paul McGuinness wearing? Uh, don't get me started on Paul. Okay, well, shall we move on to the stage then and just a, a general chat about the, the scenery and everything? Yeah, it doesn't look good, does it? What? It doesn't look good. Like, when, when those big um, light bulb, I'm going to call them curtains, come down, you just see basically half the arena get cut off and the view just destroyed. Well, Willie Williams was adamant that um, that you, you could see through those if you were sitting behind them. But... That's not the point, is it? Well, what is the point? Because you're still sat behind the band with them, you know, with the backs to you, and the. I wouldn't want it to be stood there. No, yeah, and they're performing to. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, if you want to do in the round, then do it. But don't start putting mm. obstacles in the way of fans. This is this is my my problem with I think with you two. In in the in with recent tours, they want to do something big, and it's it's like they don't care if some fans don't get a good view. We'll come on to that more next episode, but I think they I think they do care, but they more they care more about putting on a good show for most of the fans. Yeah, I think if, there will if, always if a be prop bad or, or a bit of staging gets in the way. Then they think I think they think it's worth it. But I think they they do try and make concessions to that. So 
those um, the video curtains, as Willie, Willie Williams calls them, with the sort of tennis ball sized LEDs on them, they did project the same image back and front, and you could see through them apparently. But yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to be sitting quote unquote behind the stage for this at all. Um, the impetus behind those curtains, and I think they are pretty good and they do look good, was that you could he could use video, but that also, and he said more more importantly, that he could get rid of it as well. So some songs you don't really notice them coming down and then they're gone and then they're back again. And I think that is pretty cool and that's very innovative for this show. Um, I think that this is a kind of an evolution of the Elevation Tour. It's a redefinition of a lot of its elements. And I think it looks really good. I think it's sort of like an almost like a revamped, redecorated with new lights version of that. I mean, it, overall, you would you prefer the Elevation Tour to this? Yeah, yeah, big time. Um I know I've never been a fan of those lights. I don't think they look cool. No, I, um, I do. I, so when we saw them in Manchester and it was more of a solid state backdrop. Yeah. I I preferred that and that you know there was no no one's view being um obscured. Obscured by that. So yeah, I I just don't I don't like these these lights. Mm. Um there's a point where Bono walks through them and and looks really put out by the fact that he has to, you know, like dodge to walk through them. See, I think he, I I wish they'd done more of that. The one criticism I have about the lights is they don't utilize them as much as they could. I would be, I wouldn't be swinging on them because that's probably very dangerous. But I would be moving in and out of them, having like Edge and Adam coming through the other side in a coordinated fashion. I really oh, like those. Can't coordinate Edge. Why not? He won't. He won't have it. I th- oh yeah, you can't. Yeah, he's, he, he doesn't do choreography. I mean, he's got a couple of marks, but yeah, fair enough. I, w- I don't want to be too prescriptive, and it isn't a, it isn't a pantomime. It, it, it's a, it's a gig, I suppose. I mean, Adam Clayton would probably climb up them on this tour. Why? He moves around a lot. This is this this is the first time we ever really see Adam moving around moving around in a. Actually, yeah, there is a lot more of him moving around. He and I remember when we saw them live. Oh, Adam's right next to me. Oh, he's over there. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> Hello, whereas, Johnny. Whereas normally, whereas normally, you'd just sort of be, just comfortably sitting, you know, with a cup of tea, like at the back somewhere. Um, if you go on Wikipedia, there is an insane amount of detail about the stage and the set. Um, there's a lighting gear list here, which is. Insane. I mean, I think the dedication. I, I looked at that just to see if I knew what they were, and I, I don't. So if. Uh... But you don't know what thirty-seven Martin Atomic three thousand strobes are. No, I guess they're strobes. I don't. So, um, you know, if a former marketing executive for an LED company can't figure, you know, doesn't know what those are, you, you're probably not going to do either. They're called MySphere LED balls. So fair enough. Um. One of the things that I found most interesting was that a PlayStation controller was used to control, um, and again, reading this directly off Wikipedia, to control high-end systems DL1 units for audience shots presented on the large video screen. So I guess the PlayStation controller must have been just the perfect tool for that kind of, um, to move that, that, that unit around, mm. which is fine with me because I'm a PlayStation fan. Sony, send me some stuff. I just signed, I signed up to PS Now last night. <laughs> just just saying. <clears throat> I'll quit bragging. Um, so are we ready to go into the show? Yeah, I think we can talk about the, the stage a bit more as we go through um, the actual the actual gig. But it's not exactly like we're dealing with a rattling hum to Zoo TV transition here, or no. even a pop mart. This is 
an evolution of that previous stage, I think. And maybe some people like it, maybe they don't. Um, but there are I, good elements to talk about throughout. The I set. like the actual stage. I like I like that setting. I I just I I don't like those big curtains of LED balls. I I don't I don't like them. One thing I do really like is how full on the color scheme was in this album. For the majority of this tour and this album, that red and black gets utilized all the way through, and I, I think it that's good. Just them though, at the time, that's the that's the problem for me. Well, like, I think other Morrissey bands did a tour at the very sa- at the same time, and he had a big um, concert recorded in Man- you know the mm-hmm. arena in Manchester, and that was all red and black as well. And I, I, I felt like it was there was a few other people. And for some reason, I want to throw the Killers in there, and I don't know why. That just seemed to have this this color scheme. There was a few bands had the, that black and white color scheme at this time. It wasn't unique to you two. But I think, unique or not, it was thoroughly integrated throughout the show. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. And the and the album. I like having distinct colors to be able to attach to to albums. So as I said, Act and Baby always to me is that sort of like blue and violet and kind of neon. You know, kind of color to me. Whereas this is thoroughly red and black. I, I can't, like I can't put a color on Acton Baby. It's just, it's just, just too much. Well, I remember when you designed the original podcast cover for that. You'd done it in green, and I was just, it's a one time. I was like, can you actually just change that? Yeah, because I, the color doesn't work for me. Because I, the idea of Acton Baby being green, I can't compute. Oh, everyone's a critic. Okay, so they come onto stage with the City of Blinding Lights, then into Vertigo with a snippet of Stories for Boys, Elevation, Cry into Electrico, and Cat Dub into Into the Heart, Beautiful Day, New Year's Day, Miracle Drug, Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own, Love and Peace, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Bullet the Blue Sky, Running to Stand Still, Pride in the Name of Love, Where the Streets Have No Name, One Zoo Station, The Fly, Mysterious Ways, All Because of You, Original of the Species, Yahweh, and Forty. Yeah. The introduction song is Arcade Fire, Wake Up, an absolutely huge tune at that particular point, and we still hadn't got sick of it by this point. Yeah, I mean, that that opening shot is very impressive, and that's what reminded me of how big this arena actually is. Yeah. It's, it's really, really so much bigger than Elevation. Um, I did have to question, was this actually the first song? Yes. I'm pretty sure City Blinding, Light, Blinding Lights was constantly the first song. I think the first song is usually set in stone. Is that because you don't see the band come onto the actual stage? Yeah, Bono's already stood in a weird position. It's like, yeah. mm, how did you get there? See, I think, um, I think that 360 has made us much more suspicious than we used to be about was this the first song or not. Although I guess they had cut out first songs earlier. We've seen that before in the live season, yeah. haven't we? See, I just thought they started with Vertigo every every show. Started and ended. They, and I know they didn't do it with every show now, but hmm. I, I always thought for the DVD they'd cut the first Vertigo. And but No, I think it's just, um, it's just a particular artistic decision to have... You see... With City Blinding Lights, you see kind of a soft focus and little bits of the band. So I mean, I always remember, you know, you can see Adam in very soft focus with his bass and 
sort of edge from an elevated angle and then it zooms into you know the main event bono with his hands up as the lights start glittering yeah my opinion of this um song as a show opener kind of changed halfway through because at first i thought it was rather strange quite a slow start um but they did they did convince me by the end that it it was pretty big Mm. it's just at the beginning it, it it felt a bit jarring i was sold on this right from the start this is this is a really good opener i think maybe not one of my favorites but well halfway through i realized that i'd been drumming on the table without me even noticing it because I, I was so up for this song and it does build um and when you eventually get to that point where edge and bono are trading off vocals and both of them are really going for it it's not a a quiet opener this no there was good echo on bono's voice um and, and it really helped you get a sense of the room yeah and you could you could hear the arena just by how, how bono's voice was resounding around it um I didn't know if the crowd are actually this into it or it's just clever editing. Well, what I'll say is, obviously, I wasn't there, but when you watch that documentary, Beyond the Tour, which is included in the Chicago DVD, you get to... I mean, half of that, I think, is pretty much just fan interviews and people showing how up for it they are. And it seemed like a very, very enthusiastic crowd to me. I don't think um, you can accuse this crowd of being being rubbish but maybe you can do wonders with editing as we have found out with you know uh, the version of a sort of homecoming that was um, cleverly done by i think it was tony visconti wasn't it anyway uh, i don't know anyway well that well the audience has been mixed there to sound better than it's tony visconti uh, he's a producer he worked with brian eno on um, some of david bowie stuff oh. anyway um that's so far out of my realm of stuff well hobbies uh, um, interests. <laughs> you can carry on. Could do. Um, what do what do you make of Bono's? I'll call it preening at the end of this song. I mean, you know the bit where he does that little move with his shoulders and then just strokes through his own hair, and like sh- shoves his jacket up on his shoulders. I mean, you can't see this at home, um, no, fans. I, but you know, this I'm trying to emulate Bono's movements. I I, I would have to watch that again. I didn't catch it. Well, I I, I quite like it because it. It seems like Bono's not coming out in an apologetic kind of humble sense. He's again giving a little bit of a flavour of I'm a I'm a rock star. Yeah, sprinkling some Bono on that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the the those big shoes that he has has only you know contribute to that even more. Yeah, he's still with the big shoes at this point, isn't he? He's not yet gone uh, gone to the Cuban heels, mm. which he does do soon, but not yet. Uh, I've always been a fan of the the big shoes. Uh, going into Vertigo, mm. visually, I thought this was in, this was incredible. The stage utterly utterly transforms for yeah. this, and I think those bulbs work pretty well there. But I did think there was a lack of enthusiasm from the crowd and the band. Mm. I put this is I preferred this to a lot of versions. I mean, I I think this has the original energy built into it. Uh, well, I think I know why you say that, but it, it's the same reason that I find this really horrible and this is not something that goes away in a hurry. The, in this song, the the editing from the camera is terrible. It's cutting so fast that you can't focus on anything. 
Mm. There, there, in this first portion of the show, there are no long sustained shots on the band actually playing or on the audience. It's it's everything is cut, 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 and it, it's just awful. Like, I ended up with vertigo after trying to trying to sit through this. It, it took me um, two sittings to get through this because I just every time the camera cut, I was getting more and more annoyed. I can see how that's annoying, and that is. And, and by the way, if I've if I've just mentioned that, and there you go and sit down and watch this DVD, I really apologise if you notice every time the camera cuts. But it, I found it so unnecessary, and this is why I've never held this DVD in such high regard as um, Elevation, even though this is U2's best-selling live DVD ever. Is it? Yes. Wow. Um, so. It just—it just the editing. It's just—it's confusing. It's not—you—you're you, not actually looking at anything. It's like they're trying to make a music video out of a whole concert, and you're supposed to shoot the concert. I'm going back to um, the guy from Red Rocks, mm. whose name I always forget. Guy. <laughs> guy Garvey. I think it's guy Gavin Martin. It's Gavin Martin, isn't it? Gavin Martin. Did, wait, we got this wrong one time, and then yeah. Oh, well, if we've got it wrong again, then whatever. Guy or Gavin Martin from the Red Rocks. It's Gavin someone, or Martin Gavin, or Gav Martinson, or Guy Garvey, <laughs> or Guy of Gisborne. I don't know. Um, we've got it wrong, probably. Martin Clunes. Right. Martin Clunes. So as Martin Clunes said on the Red Rocks mm. DVD, you know, he hired. I think it was four professional uh, cameramen mm. who just knew what what to shoot, where the action was, and it's like there must—I don't know how many cameras there must be in there, but there's a lot of cameras all over the place, and you just—you're not getting one consistent shot. You it's from one thing to another. There's no linearity, and it because of that, I don't want to watch this DVD. Wow, strong statements. Um, well, two things on that. One, I agree that it is a flaw of a lot of contemporary presentations, be it cinematic things. They've never done it up until this point either. I, th- I think it's a bit similar in, in, in Elevation, though. Not, I, I've never had a reaction to Elevation like... The Fly like is similar in its editing to, um, to this, in terms of the pace. But that's that was going to be my second point. I think it suits because it's vertigo. It's meant to be dizzying and discombobulating, so... Even if it does have a bit of an but uncomfortable effect, but it shouldn't effect. take away from the performance, which it does. Well, I quite like it. I mean, I, I'm I'm all right with this. I would find it no, weird if they were doing no, this I don't later think, on. I don't think you are a fan because you put the DVD on because you want to watch the concert, and what this editing does is hinders you from watching the concert. It takes you completely out of the moment. Okay, well, fans, who actually gets a bit annoyed at the Vertigo editing? I will say, I it didn't bother me, and I liked it. Tyler, obviously finds it a problem is it a problem what do you guys think can we can we leave it up to the to the public vote mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah um let us know on, on twitter um what's our twitter handle that it's just at review, review two. two to is it not oh, is that facebook at review two to you yeah, yeah. i mean you're so, the social so, media guy yeah so here. on twitter yeah but i never I, how often do you think i search for us <laughs> right. I, I am us <laughs> um so yeah if you go onto twitter it's um at review two, let us know what you think, and also just you know, just say hi. We're we're nice people. Yeah, hello. We always get back to them, don't we? Usually. Um, so then we go into elevation, and um, Larry looks very unsure at the start of this. 
There's a bit, and I, I mean, the editing's bad here because it shows Larry sort of with his eyes going side to side like eagle-eyed action man. And you, like, you can tell what's what's going on with Larry here. And maybe it adds to the whole strangeness of this because this is a different version well, of Elevation. There's a thing in you two where Bono looks to the edge, the edge looks to Adam, and Adam looks to Larry. <laughs> Have you never noticed that? No. <laughs> the, 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 obviously, you never get a shot of them you know, doing it in turn. Yeah. But that's generally how it works. Bono knows us in time because he's watching the Edge. Edge knows us in time because he's watching Adam. There's a logic to that, yeah, sure. And Adam is always right by Larry anyway. So yeah. um I always like the start of this. Yeah. The tease. Uh and I think they did an even bigger tease than this in when we saw them in Manchester. Yeah. It, it went on for a really, and you he was really winding the crowd up at that point, but yeah. that was just Bono having fun, and I really, I really like that. It was fun watching people to the side of us do a little jump and be like, "Oh God, we're not ready to mosh yet," you yeah. know. And I remember watching this in my living room at my mom and dad's, and my dad laughing because he was expecting elevation to kick in as well. He jumped off the sofa and was punching in the air. Uh, no, but he just, he found it funny that Bono was just you know like messing with the crowd. And I think he's not a, a big U two fan, um, but he enjoyed that moment. I think it is a nice, funny Bono moment. And maybe this is what will save um, what I'm calling the standards. You know, just something a bit different. Them, you can tell they fit. Well, we've done the elevation tour. We're not going to put that song to mothballs just yet. But let's do something a bit different because we played it every night on the elevation tour, and we played it pretty much faithfully to the record maybe if they do a bit more reinterpretation then that would be that would be great um but I, the main thing i got from this song is that this is a really visceral gig i think that the crowd were really up for it the guitar sounds brilliant bono's coughing all over the place and saying he's got a frog in his throat um fake or genuine i think i think real it seems seems a bit too staged for my liking it's edited together well i'll say that for mm. it certainly uh cry into Electrico. Yeah, and this um, this was a genuine surprise um, on the day. It had been 17 years since they'd been properly playing this song and I honestly can't think of a better moment. There were a couple of contenders of my watching U2 live rather than just seeing stuff on a DVD. Seeing Electrico live in Manchester the first time I watched the band possibly that is my the best U2 experience I've ever had. It, it was so good. And yeah, it's. It, I love the way it's set up. I love that they did the cry with it as well. Um, the snippet works really well. I, I have nothing bad to say about this, and it's one of Edge's most exciting solos. Uh, I think this is the most believably energetic that the crowd and band have been. Um, Bono seems to be looking a little bit more drab than usual in this. Maybe there's just more of a focus on Edge because he, he gets to do that blistering solo. Um, maybe, but again, the camera destroys this song for me. <laughs> I I can't concentrate on anything. It's it's intolerable. It wasn't this bad at Zoo TV. It's to the point where I didn't I don't notice the cutting at Zoo TV. Mm. This is so bad. It's so badly edited together. I'm not going to say it was badly shot because it might not have been, mm. but the way these second long clips are put together, Hamish Hamilton has a lot to answer for. It's in, just uh, disconcerting. In like, it's 
I'm going to try and not go on about it, but there are there are a lot of points in this where I just think editing, 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 editing it really annoys me. Uh, Ancat dub. And oh, into... I've got a question about Electrico. Okay. Um, not a particularly pivotal one. Do you think Larry knew that Bono was going to smash his microphone on his cymbal? Because you see Bono do it in Electrico, use his own microphone to hit one of Larry's cymbals, and Larry looks over his shoulder for a bit like, Get off me lawn, basically. And it's is that staged? Get off me lawn, basically. <laughs> Should we try and translate that for some of our Japanese or American listeners? Okay. Um, get off my drum kit. This is my domain. You get to prance around on stage, and that's fine. But don't hit your equipment on my equipment, basically. D- did you notice that? And do you think Larry knew about it? Um... Is it staged? Had he done it before and Larry was expecting it? It might have been an off-the-cuff thing for for Bono to do. Mm. Um, If I was doing the sound at that point, I would be very annoyed. Well, it's Bono, isn't it? I mean, it it is Bono. But I I feel like when when we talk about Bono on this podcast, it's almost like he's a naughty child that everyone tolerates. Mm. But he's Bono. (laughs) He's the biggest rock star in the world. More or less, yeah. I bet there's some people who... disagree with that but well they'd be wrong well speaking of naughty children um we're going back to boy um and we've sort of already done that i suppose but that was an attempted link i didn't get it at the time but this is really strange for them to be playing songs like cry electrico and cat dub Dub, yeah i mean particularly that uh i i just assumed this is what you two do but it isn't and this is it's really cool to be able to go back and Mm. and watch them do these songs well this is i think the closest this whole gig gets to becoming a show and i realize we've been dropping that recently so maybe we'll talk about that in a bit yeah i'm annoyed that we keep forgetting to do yeah, it yeah not very professional oh well um but elevation show our gig 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 yeah i yeah. agree well, I'm saying this is a gig as well. Good gig. Yeah, yeah, amazing gig. Pretty better than the shows they do, but <laughs> um, but here I think is the closest we get to a show because they're already playing with this idea of innocence and experience. They stick boys' cover on right in the middle so everyone can see it, and they were talking at the time that they made this album about this being the you know their first album or their first rock and roll album, getting back with Steve Lillywhite get into the old days. Bono's saying in um, Electrico, in that build-up, he's saying, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get back there. And I, I think that works so well here because you can see that they are just trying to capture that classic energy that they used to mm. have, which they achieve, yeah. I think. Uh, I love hearing this this played live. Um... But apparently, Larry um, had to really go back and learn the drums again to, to this because he'd there are particular patterns in this which he'd not played for so long. Um, I think Edge also must have done, or maybe Dallas must have done a lot of work to get back to that classic sound as well because this sounds pretty much like the record. Mm. And that was recorded in 1980, you know, so... Wait, 1980? 1981? Could have been 70... 79... It's on the first album, so... It's, yeah, let's not quibble. Yeah, it's got to be around, though. Yeah. Would you say this is a bit of a crowd killer? <laughs> it slows things down, but I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, it was definitely not a crowd killer for me, because, again, when we saw them on this tour, I was not expecting to hear songs from Boy at all. 
Um, so to hear a relative deep cut with uncut dub and everything is a is an absolute pleasure. And then they move into into the heart, and I think what you get with that song is such simplicity. They've come on all singing, all dancing with City of Blinding Lights with an overload, and then it's just simple. It's just Adam and Edge looking at each other. Um, simple bass line, couple of guitar notes, beautiful handshake at the end. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, I'm really glad I can listen to this. Yeah, it's a, it's a good version. Um, what do you think of Bono's monkey impressions at the end? Is it uh, embarrassing, Dad Bono, or just funny? Monkey impressions yeah, remind me he, uh, of the audience. He he does a, a few like monkey like movements, and he he'll, he'll take a, a flea from his hair. Uh, He's being a cat, and, isn't and he? Put it in his mouth. What cat does that? A cat with fleas. What with with fingers picking? It's, well, I thought it's he more was more like monkeys or gorillas. Well, I thought he was licking apes. Uh, I thought he was licking primates. I thought he was licking his hand, and then you know, do you know, a cat gives itself a bath because of the song. It's not called and monkey dub. No, well, I, I didn't make that connection. I just think he's been a, a bit of a silly Billy. But I was I was wondering if it's embarrassing dad territory. Well, I will say his little magic trick with his fingers is definitely the kind of thing you'd imagine a, a dad do. <laughs> I used to do that so much, thinking it was the uh, the shears knit. Mm. Um, what do you think of him? His interaction with that young and frankly terrified little boy, Gareth. You what? It's really funny actually that moment because because Vano doesn't hear what he says. Fair enough, it's a very difficult thing to hear a, a little boy amongst a massive crowd um, but Bono doesn't go excuse me pardon he goes he basically goes what <laughs> it's a nice breaking of character there no like, it's, I feel really awkward in the and I always have done because that kid how well can he really know the band you don't know he might be a really dedicated fan he's like 10 you don't know he might have all the b-sides and all the singles and you know Melon. I just uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm just a little bit jealous, but uh, Tyler. It's, it's pretty it's pretty cringeworthy and like uh my name's Paul but everyone calls me Bono. See, that to me is cheesy as it is, and it is full on cheddar. It's a good it's a good moment, I think. I think it's a, a really good moment. <laughs> it's, it's cool because he takes him out of the crowd away from his I, I presume his parents, walks him halfway around the ellipse yeah. and then just Leaves him. See ya. I'll I mean, leave you with this bunch it, of strangers. It, it could only be better if you picked him up and threw him into the crowd. Like that guitar from uh, Until the End of the <laughs> yeah. World just drops him in. Um, but the, the transition in this song is so much better than the, the record. They've, they've really nailed that. Uh, it's it's from good. From Ankat Dub into Into the Heart. Yeah, I, I like them both, but it, it is good. Can I just say, if anyone knows Gareth, or if he's on Twitter and he's a bit of a U2 icon... Um, or if anybody knows, yeah. Well, I imagine he's grown up now, and it's not fun to make fun of a little boy's voice. Um, but uh, yeah, get in touch and tell us what happened at that gig, and if you thought it was weird, or if you got abducted by some strangers at Bono. Have you with. seen your family since? Yeah. Um, I, I, one thing I did get is it's really weird that Bono's called Paul. If you just he never look, mentions it live, does he? If you just look at that man, look at the picture of that man, mm. and just tell, just repeatedly tell yourself this, he's called Paul. There's something in your mind that just goes, "No, that's Bono." Well, it's same with Edge. You, you don't look at Edge and think Dave, do you? I do. Mm. I don't. He's just he's no, Mr. I don't. the Edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
there's a bit on this as well where Bono definitely forgets that he's got to sing. Um, and he catches the end of it. So obviously um, the chorus and cat dub is just um, a, like, oh, kind of noise. Um, and there's a bit where Bono's sort of just walking about near the microphone and he kind of remembers. And it's just a funny moment because you can see he's, these are old songs. They don't know them inside out like they used to. Um, but a real highlight, a real highlight of this gig. Uh, beautiful day now. Bono steps into the into the crowd. Adam Clayton looks on smiling. And do you look on favourably? Um, I, I think I think I enjoyed this. It's a few days ago since I've watched this now, um, so I'm, I am forgetting parts of it. Some some parts of this song are more relaxed than usual. Mm. Stage lights up purple, which I thought was a really cool, different look, but not too dissimilar, obviously. Yeah. Um, I I just wish I could see more of it. And that's a comment on the camera again. So back on the editing. Um, it's, it's really impressive when they're lighting up an arena like that, but you just don't get to see it mm. because it, they're too busy showing me Adam Clayton's knee. Um, but, um, don't get me wrong; it's a good knee. <laughs> There's knee wrong with it. Um, Edge's middle bit sounds a bit off to me. I've I've never thought this sounds as good as the Elevation version. Something about the way he's playing it sounds a bit weird. And Bono's voice isn't fantastic on this. Can I just shock you? Go on. I have never seen the place for this song in the set after Elevation. Every time it's it, it, it's a bit strange. It doesn't it doesn't seem to be one of the uh, usual suspects to me. Mm. It's, it always feels like a rarity. Like, oh, we're getting a beautiful day. Which, of course, it isn't that. No, not at all. But... It just seems strange to play this on any other tour than the Elevation tour. Mm. I, it doesn't work in the same way. It it worked at Joshua Tree for the crowd. Yeah. But I did not particularly want to hear it. So I'll say that about it. Mm. Um, I, I've also put here, if all else fails, just mention it that it's your birthday because then you can get a big cheer from the crowd, you know, if, if it's all going a bit, a bit wrong. Um New Year's Day? New Year's Day. I'll get my camera criticism out of the way straight away. I feel like I'm watching a music video and not a videography of a live concert. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this a few episodes back, I think, where you were saying there's a transition away from feeling like you're actually at a gig here. Yeah, this is it. So, well, fair enough. I appreciate that. But I I, I mean, I really like the editing for, for Vertigo and Electrico. I think it works considering how fast-paced the show is. Um, okay. Um main thing I noticed was Adam's strings sound really good. They're nice and crunchy. I know that sounds like a loserish thing to bring up, but just listen to this version. You're not wrong. Yeah, well, um, listen to this version. It's, it's it's brilliant. And Bono's voice is back on form here. Yeah, Bono sounds the best he's done at this gig. There's definitely a turnaround from Beautiful Day. Um, and again, sort of, there's a real sense of the band playing next to each other. So, you know, Edge and, and Adam, it feels like we are... A band again. The, ba- the band sound really good, um, but I do have one criticism about the mix in that there's not enough crowd in this mix. Mm. You can't you can't really hear them that well. And this is a crowd pleasing song, isn't it? And I just don't think that would have happened on Lily White's watch. <laughs> well, who knows? Do you know that Lily White didn't mix this then? Nope. I'm just assuming. I I just have that. that have faith that he would have done a better job. 
egg on your face if it turns out he did mix it. Well, if if Lily White did it, then that's that's his bad, and he will have to make his peace. <laughs> what, you're going to kill him? <laughs> Seems slightly unfair. I'm clearly in no hurry to do so, if that's the plan. So, miracle drug. Um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. A, a big highlight of this show. Um, and this, I think, is where the stage really comes into its own. We've not talked about the fact that they've gone to such great lengths with the um with the lights here with they've essentially got an array of lights built into the ellipse so you can have zooming around um individual lights going around those rings and that one little blip that goes around to me that always seems like a you know like an electrocardiogram blip it it seems like that and it seems to fit that kind of medical context for the song maybe that's a bit of a weird reading but it's um it's great, and I actually don't mind Bono's anecdote here. You know, him sort of going on quite a bit. It's it's fine. <laughs> I just felt sorry for the edge doing the down 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 down. Nearly there. Eighty percent. You're adding in extra notes here. <laughs> well, there's you can tell that he's just using quite. That's what it's like watching that. That little snippet for me. It but, just keeps going on and on and on. Because Edge is waiting to click on his his big effects. He's just doing that in quite a quiet, um, relatively effectless guitar. And then when the song actually starts, you get the reverb on and suddenly it sounds ten times bigger, which is which is brilliant. Um I was just so impressed with the edge on the on this song. Yeah, this brought up a lot of memories. Um happy you know, happy memories just of when I was having when I had this record on and it seemed to be the only album I was listening to. I can't actually remember some of the other albums I was listening to at, this, at the same time, and I won't mention them because they're quite embarrassing. S-Club? No. no. Worse, Keen. <laughs> Keen's debut album. I, I thought it was great. Mm. Uh, Franz Ferdinand as well I was listening to at that time. That's pretty good. Better than Keen. Um, Razorlight, I think. Oh. Um, there was there was there was a few athlete and doves as well. Well, athlete were at our gig. They supported you two, yeah, and were not that great. I will say. I well, I don't really remember. It was a long time ago. My memories of this day are quite, are, are quite small, mm. well, and insufficient. But uh, there is a really good um, athlete album. It's called Live at Union Chapel. And more of a Christmassy vibe to it, so like in December, give that a listen. Merry Christmas! If you're, if, if maybe you're listening to this all. podcast in December, so like Merry just... Christmas to you all. That's my impression of athlete at Christmas. Down, 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 down. It's a tedium off. Who will win? The only people losing are the review two listeners. Um, so Larry on vocals in this song. Um. This marked an interesting period where Larry was actually mic'd up through a little bit of these shows. So you can see him during Elevation, doing a bit of the, the backing, and during the amazing bridge to this, where he's hitting the drums, he's you can hear him at the back um, adding in a bit, a few O's and a few years. I mean, that must be a highlight. For you. If you, you were you not impressed by Larry's singing? I didn't notice it, if I'm <laughs> honest. Um... Well, it's hardly dirty old town, but it's pretty good. I'd love, I'd love to have a, a track where where Larry's front and center. I, I really, I would. Maybe you know, he can do his Phil Collins impression. Well, at the risk Sing of and drum. at the risk of 
annoying even more people by just talking about bands other than you two. Um, I always find it a bit annoying when you have a member of the band who you can tell really wants to get a song on the record and the rest of the band are going, all right, fine. So I always feel that way when I listen to a Foo Fighters record and Taylor Hawkins does a song. And he's not bad, it's just you're not really Dave Grohl either, are you? No, but Taylor Hawkins' solo album was not good. Well, that's my point, I guess. Like one of the worst albums I've ever listened to. And I like Taylor Hawkins. I think me and Taylor Hawkins could be friends. But not anymore, we can't. No, but, oh, <laughs> bad music. Um, well, this is interesting as well because you can tell there's a lot invested in this song for The Edge. Um, back to U2 by U2. Bono would say that he wouldn't look at Edge through the start of this song because he knew how much um, it meant to him and all the, the connotations of relying on medical care um, because of Edge's daughter being seriously ill at that particular time. That's interesting because in the next song there is a shot where Bono is halfway down the left side of the ellipse. Mm. I know what shot you mean. And Edge is just... He's, his eyes are completely fixed on Bono in a way of, of you know looking after mm. his best mate who is singing a song about his father who he passed away, a song that he sang at the funeral. Yeah. And it's such a powerful look that Edge is giving him. You know, it's Quite glassy-eyed. As well. well, not glassy-eyed, moist-eyed. Yeah, you know. completely, but complete support the, for the singer. Mm. Um, well, I think that's what makes this um, duo of songs so... It works so well because you can tell there's a deep personal investment. And these are songs which are big and broad enough to encompass anyone in that audience who's lost people, anyone who's just had some bad news, medically speaking, that kind of thing. The, um, but, the, but they are personally invested too. The quality of the new songs on, on the record yeah. is very, very high. Particularly, uh, you know, the, the ones they choose to play on this tour, they really get those songs to sound as impressive as they can do. And a lot of the songs, I think it's only um, One Step Closer and um, A Man and a Woman that don't get played on the whole thing. So they play the hell out of this album, basically. There's, there's eight out of 12 tracks. There's 12 tracks on... Or is it 11? I think there was 11 on the, the non-special edition. Yeah, well, yeah, the, whether Fast Cars is on there or not is, is kind of, but, I guess, disputed. We get eight of the Atomic Bomb tracks yeah. at this show. And it makes me wonder, why is this song not even an expectation anymore? You know, it doesn't ever seem to be something that we would consider. You know, if we're saying, will With or Without You come up? Will One come up? Will Pride come up? It annoys me that this song isn't isn't more of a standard. I think it should be, it could switch out other songs. Mm. I'd be so happy to hear this again on a, on a, on a new tour. I think uh, Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own is a song that will come back for Bono. And just, you know, when he starts to really get into his older age. Well, maybe during the Experience tour, it might be brought back. I, I, I would hope so. What, what U2 song is more about that experience of loss mm. and life than Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own. Um, I really like the the sort of everyman figure that's walking. It's a bit weird to see it. Oh, I, interesting. I hate it. Thank you for editing. Good. It doesn't look good. It's boring. Okay. There's nothing happening. There's, there could be something more interesting or take those horrible things up. 
and let the crowd see this special moment. Half the audience couldn't see this. Hmm. Think about that. Could, could, oh, all right. they, though? And even though even though Willie Williams says, yes, you can see through it, you don't miss that much of the show, would you, if you have the choice, do you watch it through that or without it? If I had the choice... And you know, and I was sat you know what position, I'm saying. Come yeah, on. if I was sat in that right position, I would be annoyed. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That, yeah, fine. Lift it up. They could have done, like... They could have done something a little bit more like Elevation, where you've just got those, you know, not house lights, but you know, the, the just the, the plain kind of spinny lights. I think they're called scrims, but I might not be right with that. I don't know that one. But... Um, well, I'll give you my reading of that thing. I think, I mean, it's not really a reading. That's very, very pretentious. Oh, um, I hate that walking man so much. <laughs> well, I like it because it's... it's I, just... don't, I don't know why it gets so much... I, I really do feel strongly about that. Just boring. She's so dull. Imagine if I rolled up my sleeve and I've got a tattoo of the walking man. Well, more oh, no. fool you. <laughs> um, I, th- I think it's nice. So it's sort of a, it, it, I think it works with this. It's got an everyman kind of quality. It's just this faceless person who's going about their everyday life and seeming, and they've got no expression on the face, and it looks like they're going to work, but there's all that emotion under there. People don't often show when they're going through these horrible times in life and that you're reading a lot into that by the way yeah well it's it's my interpretation of it and this from a man who interpreted the october cover via the song stranger in a strange land did i did i did i or did i not have a point well i think i have a point up next love and peace or else what do you think tyler i feel a a strange kind of fear about some of the new songs from this album, and and this I, I I felt like I remember this being good, but maybe it isn't as good as I as I thought it might be. Uh, we've got a costume change from Bono. He's uh, kind of wearing a star spangled leather jacket with a military style. <laughs> yeah, and with wider um, sleeves and very clearly something things. Bono designed. <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. Uh, the jacket is such a huge part of Bono's outfit and persona through this little bit of the gig. Um, he Has he moved away from this kind of thing now? Yeah, I mean, look how plainly dressed he was for the last two tours. Yeah. Uh, Larry looks very powerful during yeah. this song. Also gets to sing again, which is nice. When Bono holds the microphone up between the two of them, off, he'll do that with Edge a lot, but with Larry. But cool to see it being done with Larry, yeah. Larry's a vital son of a bean right now. <laughs> um, but he's a genetic jackhammer, I would say, throughout this song. Yeah, he's he's really driving it forward. My one criticism about this song, and I think actually I've got two. Um, I think it sounds great. A really good um, moment in the in the whole gig. Adam's bass, I wish, was a bit louder. I remember, and maybe this is just because we're not actually at the gig when we're watching this, we're watching a DVD, but they could have mixed it a little higher because I remember when we saw that, Adam's bass was boom, boom, really yeah. thumped through. You could feel it right through you. Yeah, and Adam doesn't get that many you know, spotlight bits where he's doing that, and it's a simple part, but it's effective, yeah. and they didn't do it um, justice. And also, I don't like Edge not having a big guitar for this. I think Edge's affinity to this... Um, sort of acoustic 
I think it's an Ovation or some sort of um, some sort of acoustic guitar. Um, I don't like it. I think it, it, it translates and badly, and I wish he was using something like a Les Paul or something like that for this. This is another song I'd like to see them bring back, but it's it's a kind of time and place kind of song. But if, if there was ever a, a really huge U2 anti-war concert, hmm. you know, you, you could have Love and Peace, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Boy at the Blue Sky, uh, Please. You know, they've got a lot of... War-based ones. War-based songs now. Yeah. CDs of Lebanon? Yeah, so maybe not play that. Um, <laughs> I still love that song. Terrible. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Good transition into Sunday Bloody Sunday with Bono and that drum. That's a that's a, another Hasbro action figure. Yeah. Uh, that I'd, I'd very much like to have in my set. Yeah, and Bono looks like he's really going for it when he's when he's hitting the drum. I've just written, oh, I've written you two let loose. I mean, it seems like. They're going for it with this um, this sort of heart of darkness section they've got going on here, where, where we're really getting into the war and 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 obviously we're in the 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 aftermath of nine eleven, interventions into Iraq, um, soldiers coming back and body bags are traumatized. It's a horrific and a paranoid backdrop and a, a context that we're talking about here. Yeah, well, the the Iraq war was in full flow at this point. Uh, been going for about four or five years at this point. Really wasn't a great time. Uh, not long after this, there was terrorist attacks in London and and Spain around a similar time. Mm. Um, so that was, I mean, now it kind of feels like, oh, not again. Yeah. At this point, it was still a shock. And it, and it always is a shock, but mm. it, it was a little less expected at this time. Yeah. Um, I've not got too much to say about Sunday Bloody Sunday, um, so do you have anything to I mean it's a it's a good version fine. song of the night really uh, oh, okay. that's certainly what I've put at this point of the show um, this is a, a favourite version and I, I, I wanted to say maybe it means more to me because of the London attacks I know my brother was in London at the time I think it was July the 7th hmm. um, so a couple of months before this uh, after this gig but that's the kind of I got this DVD, I think it came out on November 17th, which just happens to be my birthday, mm. and it was a really all the, all that all that idea of, you know, localised threat seemed very powerful for me at the time and this song this section, Love and Peace Sunday Bloody Sunday and Bullet maybe running to stand still as well, just had a little bit more of a power yeah. for me at that time because of the things that we'd been witnessing when we w- watched the news, and they and th- this song absolutely should have been played. It's just I don't really have much to say about it, apart from it has a certain charge, obviously in this um, at this particular time. But for me, "Bullet the Blue Sky" was one of the, the the highlights of this section, particularly when Bono has the the face mask with "Coexist" written on it, um, and he starts singing uh, "Johnny Comes Marching Home," and then he's kind of almost representing this kind of traumatic experience with him shouting hands home. Built America, it gets a snippet in yeah, there as yeah, well. which is which is good. I mean, and it's a nice way to bring that song in and point the finger back at uh, US foreign policy as well. And I just think it's it's a really good version, really powerful. Um and yeah, it's and, and please gets a snippet in this as well. Yeah. For Bullet specifically, is Bono cool or uncool? 
I think he's uncool, but in a very serious way, so it doesn't matter. Mm. I actually think they do this quite well. Again, sensitive material like post-traumatic stress disorder, soldiers coming back from war, Johnny comes marching home. That In the wrong hands, that could be clunking and disrespectful, but I think it works well here and works well with the song. And Edge doesn't go crazy on the guitar for this. sincerity, though. Yeah. Uh, the camera did my head in again with Bullet the Blue Sky. Uh, we, it, the camera does slow down considerably with Edge's solo. Um, it's a very quiet solo, this from Edge. because of that, I also get the sense that the crowd is dead. Mm. Towards the end of Bullet. I don't remember them being that dead on the of, DVD. It's slow, it really starts to slow down after you know the climax of the song and you're almost expecting it to kick up back into the chorus, but they don't do that. Well, maybe the maybe the crowd, and maybe this is being generous, but the crowd are thinking more than reacting at this point. You know, there's very clear um, political elements in this song, and Bono's going through all the um, the coexist sign on his head. Uh, so maybe you know this is less of a party atmosphere, and the crowd are being a little bit more meditative, perhaps. Maybe. They didn't get permission uh, for, to use that sign either. Um, Do they ever? Well, no, yeah, no, actually, fair enough. Um, but there we go. I think it, I think it was utilised well, and I, I think it's an iconic look with um, with that with the headscarf. That would be Bono's accessory this week, I think. Yeah, uh, running to stand still. Bono actually playing um, a bit of solo, not very much of it, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, always had a really strong reaction to this version. It's it is beautiful. Yeah. Um. And I actually properly had goosebumps by the end of it. Yeah. Um. I I really enjoyed the hallelujah bit as well at the end. Yeah. I think it works well. Ed Edge is um really strong. Yeah. Interesting to take him away from the guitar completely. Mm. And just have the piano. Um. Which we'll see a little bit more of in a bit. Mm. Uh. The human rights speech. Yep. And please welcome to the stage TED Talk Bono. Yeah, um, uh, full-on TED Talk, uh, human rights speech. Uh, I feel this is a little bit more cringeworthy than I felt it was at the time. I'd rather them be doing stuff like they did in Bullet the Blue Sky than this kind of straight down the line looking at the camera, you need to care about this <coughs> particular section of the human yeah. And it's difficult because what we're doing here is we're talking on the one hand about something that's really important, universal human rights, people who have proper serious problems and on the other hand we're reviewing an entertainment gig from a band we really like and nerd out about yeah so it's so i wouldn't want people to come away from this and think that we underestimate how important this is but it's very different and it's clunky and the band you can tell are not fully on board with this there's moments where larry is just sort of sad while bono's speaking i think this is during during one actually but in this whole section you can see Larry sit with his arms folded and he was saying in U2 by U2 there were some nights where he'd just be like having to be remembered to look interested and to not roll his eyes because he can be seen by the fans. And mm. to have your drummer rolling his eyes and being like, oh, get on with it is going to undermine the message somewhat. Yeah. Um, but Bono's changed his, his look again. Yep. Uh, he's got the blazer and the One Campaign Africa t-shirt. Yeah. It's... It's, again, not, it's, uh, not a cool look. Come no, on. it's not a cool look. Let's it's rip one into of his. It's one of his worst looks. I yeah, just it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and I also a think a plain that... black t-shirt would have been fine as well. Or oh, the V-neck t-shirts that Bono often wears. Mm. 
Um, I think it's not a very good vocal performance either here. Pride in the Name of Love, I thought was a pretty good version. I I didn't. I thought Bono was not that bothered about it in terms of the actual the singing. There you go, George McCauley. It's not just me who hates on Pride in the Name of Love. He, he I think he's expecting by the end of Review 2 that I've done a complete 360 and um, Pride in the Name of Love is, the, is my favourite song. It's probably not going to happen, George. But um, this version isn't bad. It is, however, it does provide the worst transition into streets. Yep, absolutely forgettable. A, a real letdown after how strong it was on the last tour. Um, Edge plays, oh, going into Where the Streets Have No Name, um, this is a bit sterile for me. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the bits with all the flags. I felt that was quite cool visually, but... It's... I hated that when we saw it. Uh, I, I mean, it it's two on the nose. Yeah, it's not suggestive, is it? Really, Edge plays the telly like a like a boss. Really, he's he's really really good. Uh, yeah, this whole section to me, from this, from Pride to One, I'm I'm drifting off. Uh, good, the good, uh, there was a good last two minutes of of streets, <clears throat> but yeah, forgettable version normally. Uh, one reminds it... me of a, a very good B side of of this same song. I think it was something to do with Passengers and Luciano Pavarotti. And I, it was it's B side on something. I can't remember where the B side came out though. It could have been one of the um, one of the '90s singles, but I I I, I did mean to look that up, but didn't. Oh, well, well, but there's well. a, a great uh, B side of one which I'll try and dig out and I'll tweet about within the next week. Um, what else did I think about this? The man on you know the speech about they decided to put a man on the moon. Not because it was easy, but because it was the right thing to do. Now, I don't know how much I agree that, you know, ever putting a man on the moon is that essential. Mm. Well, man dreams one day to fly. Takes a rocket ship into the sky. I I, I don't have a... It's a weird way of phrasing it. I, I like space exploration. I think it's a good idea. Um... But yeah, I don't know about that phrasing, yeah. and I have nothing interesting to say about this version of this song apart from the fact that Larry looks palpably bored. I've not finished with the speech, um, so you've got the "it's not okay anymore" part of the speech. You know, to have mm. people dying and you know stuff like that. And this is our generation's journey. But I pretty much ripped off that speech in year eleven for a piece of coursework where I had to do. Um, Year 11 is final year of high school, so six, uh, 15, 16 years old. Mm. And I was writing a piece about animal cruelty and testing cosmetics on animals. Mm. And I finished it off. Um, it's not okay anymore, you know, to sit idly by while animals, you know, are suffering for, <clears throat> for our gain. Uh, in 2006, seven, mm. that's not okay anymore. It's not okay to just let it happen, you know. And I and I completely ripped it off. I got a really good mark for it, mm. but it was all it was just channeling that Bono seriousness throughout. And yeah. yesterday, while I was sat on the toilet, I was thinking about that. Oh, what an image for our <clears> listeners! I know, but do you ever find that you have your best ideas when you're on the toilet? In the shower, more often. For me, it's on the toilet. If I have a, a difficult decision, I go I go and uh, have a number two because it really <laughs> it just helps the ideas flow. And mm. and I thought. Oh, what I should have done then is gone. 
done a call to action paragraph where you go, you know, if you'd like to help, you know, blah, 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 do this, mm. do that. And I handed that coursework in 11 years ago, and now I just have an idea to make it better. Well, better late than never, I suppose. I'm going to ring Miss Pilkington up, uh, because Miss Pilkington was my teacher at that point, and she was a young teacher. She was a, you know, a, she was an all right teacher. I gave her a hug on the last day of What tangent school. are we on here? I'm just, I'm just talking about Miss Pilkington. Yeah, everybody <laughs> had that teacher in, in high school who was, you know, a bit of a hottie. Fine. Um... And, uh, you know... Miss Miss P, you were all right. Uh, I bet you still are. Um, I am single. I think this says a lot about this song that Tyler has gone so far down this whole weird weird chat. (laughs) Well, you may as well give the contact details now. Well, you know, Miss Pilkington, if you are listening, not just her. Be be a rebel type guy and email us at um, reviewtocontact at gmail dot com. That's right. Or tweet us at at review two. Facebook at review two to you, right? So the encore happens, and we get a little Astro Baby turning up, and I think I think it was um, Bono's son uh, son John Abraham who did the whole Mama thing. He doesn't say Bonna. Bonna. That's really it's almost as irritating as the actual thing. I, I like this opening, but. The, it gets quite high pitched and annoying that at the end, um, but this is a good version of Zoo TV. It's is it as good as Zoo T- Zoo Zoo TV? Sorry, this is a good version of Zoo Station, which is not as good as Zoo TV, but it is pretty cool. And what I remember from watching this live was how lucky I felt to have got to see um, Electric Co. and this song, I, songs that I was not expecting yeah, at all. Yeah, this is rare. What's Bono wearing here? Because I've put that this could make another cool action figure. Uh, he has got a sort of like a military garb on. He's got an epauletted yes, black shirt, shirt yeah. and the hat, the sort of captain's, yeah. well, like lieutenant's hat or whatever it is. Yeah. Anyone in the military, tell me what it actually is, that hat. Again, we don't know the names of these characters that Bono was betraying. Um, we, there should be a little bit more on the, on those characters. Well, I mean, how solidified are they? I mean, isn't this isn't exactly like the fly, is it? I mean, this is just military looking bloke. I think Bono gets into character. Yeah, in he, the same way. And he marches down the front of the stage, I literally marches. It's, it's pretty much a goose step that. Did yeah, you, did yeah. You notice. Well, the whole point and, and later on he he does the whole thing that he did on Zoo Station originally with the whole Zig Highland pulling his ha- hand down. Yeah. Um the Doctor Strange love reference, and then there's a clunking bit actually, which I've just been reminded of of him going, "All right, all right," and then he points to himself doing the Zig Heil going, "Not yeah. all right." It's like you saying, "Not all right." No, you're not telling any of this audience anything new. Oh, it's not all right to do. No, a, but a Zig Heil Bono would done, They both said not all right, which was good. Um, Look, they were well synced. I just think it's a bit on the nose and a bit stupid. Well. I liked it. They uh, Bono certainly looks like he's having fun here. Possibly the most laid back the band looked throughout the gig. It's very laid back, yeah. yeah. And I think that is pretty cool because although it's not got the ritz and the glamour and the spectacle of the Zoo TV, the Zoo Station from Zoo TV, it's chilled and well, it's cool. Well, they're fifteen years older here. You know, they 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 know that you know that they can't play it with the same energy. Yeah. That they used to. But Bono's still doing a few of the old moves. You know the jump that he does to the side. Yeah. It is cool. It's really cool. Bono's really on top form for this, and that carries on into the fly. Although I thought this was only an okay version. I I actually think this is really underwhelming. Um, and I remember this being a lot better. Um, they just figured out how to play this song well. 
and we gushed about, or at least I definitely gushed about this on the last um, episode. Why have they gone back to this weird old arrangement with Bono playing the guitar and and again that stupid you, I think guitar just because it's a different tour to Elevation, it's not got the same vibe to it. Then don't play the fly. Play, um, I don't know, play Gone, or well, not Gone actually, play uh, la- Last Night, well yeah, that'd be great, but something they might have played, play um, for this stage as a bit of a, of a a upbeat song. Why not play Last Night on Earth? Um, but I also I think the sound from Edge's guitar it doesn't work that well. Getting back on a Les Paul for this or a Strat or something like that. And if any guitar nerds disagree, I'd like to hear why why you think this version is better on acoustic mm. or you know electrified acoustic. Blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, and if there are any guitar nerds listening, I, I want to buy an effects box for my guitar. Um, just any advice would be good. I'm actually selling mine, you know, or thinking about selling it, so we could do a little deal if you want. You could give it to me. Mm. I know how old that is. I know how much abuse it's had. I know how much coffee you've spilt on it. But it works perfectly. Oh, all right, then. It's, well, it's, it's a good unit. Well, you know, if we can come to a reasonable price, maybe. Okay, this is an, off, an off-air conversation. Um, so we can move into Tyler's favourite, Mysterious Ways. Johnny, where have you been? Oh, I'm covered in water again. You're all, you're all wet. I've been out with your sister, dancing in the rain, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's a point in this song where Bono says, Shimon. You stay away from my sister. No, I learnt my lesson last time. Um, did you catch this? With Bono doing his his little... Uh, I'm sure he says Shimon. Shimon, Shimon, where is your love? Don't you give me some more? That isn't snippeted in this song. Um... I think Bono... They were cool at the time, though. They were, yeah. No, um, good contemporary band at that point. Yeah, nothing nothing wrong with it. If he's going to do it in any song, do it in this one. The crowd went crazy for for Bono. Mysterious Ways. Big pop, big pop. And the, Yeah, the dancing. Um, to me, this is... It's not a problem, but this is basically like a dad dances on the dance floor. I mean, the, the woman who comes up with him, she's really limber and good at dancing, and then Bono's just sort of hobbling around a little bit and he said it's fine overall but it's a little bit creepy when he says it's my birthday yeah well it's 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 fine there's a really nice piano in the mix quite low in the mix could do with mm. turning up a bit but it's it's really nice i don't know who's who'd actually be playing that under the stage no idea um but i enjoyed it and the, the woman that you're talking about when when bono leads around to the front of the ellipse mm. there's just this shot of adam it's quite a long shot for for this gig mm. of Adam just laughing at Bono like yeah. dancing with the, with this woman it's it's again a great little inside yeah. um, look I'd be happy with a gig that's just recording the different band members and, you know and how they look yeah. at each other because you really see the friendship there and Adam's having fun by seeing that Bono's having fun. Yeah. Great, think, simple little moment. Well, I think for all its faults in this gig, and there are some real highlights in there as well, for all its faults, this is a gig which does document a band playing together and having a bit of personality with each other. Whether that's sad, as we said, with Miracle Drug and Sometimes You Can't Make It, or this kind of thing, or them playing back-to-back a little bit. Um, it's uh, shaking hands. It's it's a really good gig for that. Uh, all because of you now. I like that I have a version of this yeah, live. I, I yeah, I will eat some words about this. I'm not a fan of All Because of You as a song. I think it's pretty bad on the Works record. Works live though, doesn't it? It does work live, yeah. Edge sounds great. The four raw essential elements, no sequences needed, just, you know, let's get let's rock basically. And um It's rock and roll. The bridge and the 
and the end part sound great on this and I am actually a little bit sad we didn't get to see it live. This wasn't in our, in our Manchester gig, no, although it, it was played the day before. Mm. Uh, original of the Species. Yeah. Now, for, this hasn't been an easy show for me to watch, but uh, this it was just worth it to get to this because I'd completely forgotten how beautiful this version mm. was. They, they had to feel like they bring the crowd back a little bit with this. Uh, and th- this is just such a good singer's song. Yeah, and Bono really does it justice. I mean, yeah. considering that he's saying we not really figured out how we can play it live, he absolutely nails it. And you can tell he's only getting through this song because he believes in it and cares about it. It's not just, oh, let's play, you know, one of the standards again. Um, he's really carrying And it, and it means something to, you know, he dedicates it to all the daughters and is written about the daughters of the band. Um which Adam Clayton's just had a daughter, hasn't he? Yeah, you were speculating. I was, there was, I was speculating. I was skeptical. Why would anyone lie about that? I just think it's, it's pointless. A, lie. I think it's a funny lie. No, it's not a lie. It's just a funny joke, a practical joke to play on someone. You know, like Larry's had that, those twins recently. No, yeah, that was in, that was one of my. Little... I don't keep up on how many kids the band. Have that got. was me it's telling quite a, a, brood, a, a fun lie, Tyler. Oh right. Yeah, that's how easy it is to convince you. Right. Well, there you go. Um. <laughs> I didn't have Larry looking on, laughing at you, though. Mm. Um, original of the Species, uh, Edge on piano, not guitar. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. And I noticed this about this. On record, what carries that build-up to the pre-chorus is the viol- the strings going... Edge is just doing that on piano. Still really powerful and still works. Yeah. Again, said it before, get... With or without you, or some of the other songs, maybe one or a couple of other ones out of the set, put this back in. It's it's strange to get a song this hard to sing actually, so close towards the end. Yeah. Um, but they do absolutely nail it. Another hard song to sing vocally is Yahweh. Is it that hard for Bono to sing? I I think putting these two songs together would have been a challenge. Actually, I just realised yet yeah, the chorus, although it's quite quiet in the verse to Yahweh, where Bono's just talking essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it is a big. It's a big it's a, it's chorus. A, yeah, a big performance. Um, loved it. Thought it was great. Yeah, and I mean, and that's not a favorite song off the album. No, it's not a song I go back to a lot. Um, although I do like it a lot. Um, I just again always remember Edge's part where he comes out and does that last bit really, really strong, and me trying to do that and no one else joining in when we weren't watching them. So that's the eighth and final How to Dismantle the Summit bomb track. And now we go into our final track, Forty. Forty, yeah. Sing this with me. Um, I'll I'll say now, Adam does a really good job on this on this version. Um, Thank the you. The guitar doesn't dip too much in quality. I thought the bass was a bit clunky. Mm, is it though? Um, it's it's a great version, and a, a nice moment with Larry just finishing out the set. Yeah. Bono leaves the stage first, followed by Adam. Mm. Uh, then Edge finishes up pretty quick. And Larry enjoy. I think it enjoys the moment. You know, I think yeah. there's a, a moment where it dawns on him. You know, this is because this is his band. And In maybe, a way, yeah. maybe they would disagree with that. But I think a lot of the fans, particularly, see Larry as he's the boss of you two. Although he's the youngest member, which is quite and weird. there is a level of appreciation for Larry because mm. without Larry putting that note notice up, there is no you two. So. 
this this is his crowd, this is his band, and I think it's great to see Larry get a moment on his own with them. Yeah, those moments are few and far between, to be honest. Um, we'll get one next week. Um, I, 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 we got Vertigo again for the second time. Mm. Now, th- that's been explained as a homage to the past, to the fact that they used to not have as many songs um, to play, so they'd have to, you know, let's get um, I Will Follow or TikTok playing again. I'm sorry, that fine, nice, nice, deci- nice kind of story, awful decision to play Vertigo again. Yeah. Whoever wants to see the same song done twice? No, when they could have played another song, you know. Considering how much they've got in the back catalogue that they don't play, yeah, that was it was annoying. But we've seen you two four times, and we've seen this song five times. Yeah, well, that's of interest, I suppose. To yeah, us. yeah. So that's the show. That's a wrap. The credits do actually roll when Larry leaves the stage, which is to, yeah. an improvement. Um, highlights, Johnny. Hmm. Highlights. I think, to be honest, they're, they're, they're mainly focused in the first part of the gig. So Electrico and Catdub, Into the Heart, Miracle Drug, and sometimes I think those are my main highlights. And I think that is where the the show is is at its strongest because it's a bit more like a show. There's a reason for them to be revisiting these old songs, doing a classic sound. There are deep emotional reasons to be doing sometimes and Miracle Drug. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a particular show. I think there was a very dramatic backdrop to this album and this time frame, uh, the the mid noughties, um, a very paranoid time in the world mm. and you two cope really well with those 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 times in in human yeah. history and they don't shy away from politics i mean i know we might have been critical about some of the tracks it that have been played quite tame actually apart from love and peace and bullet the blue sky yeah i remember in manchester i always thought that the um end poverty bit went on a bit long well it's because then it starts to feel more like a lecture rather than a gig. In, in fact, the John Bishop sketch about the Vertigo tour is pretty good mm. and, and rings true with my memory of it. I don't particularly want to check that out, but I will do in the I'll sake po- of research. I'll post it on Twitter and we'll, um, we'll discuss that. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that was it. Is it a gig or is it a show? Uh, well, my highlights are uh, Original of the Species and Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah, I mean, those those were good as well, definitely, and nice to have a rare performance of that. Mm. One thing I will say is, this is a lot less of a greatest hits tour, in my opinion, than Elevation, and a lot of different songs were played on this whole tour, so they did keep switching up the set list, and I think that's pretty cool. I think if you were someone, a fan, who has the ability well, to go to a lot of They don't want gigs, to get bored, do they? No, but I think... but. And the last tour, I think they kept it pretty standard. Mm. A couple of things moved in, a couple of things moved out, but they changed this up a lot. It was a very reactive gig. Yeah. Now, maybe that means that um, it doesn't become much of a story um, in terms of the actual show, but I think it's pretty cool. Gig or a show? Uh, as I said before, I think this is a this is a gig. I, do you know what? I'd love to say it was a a good gig, but I don't. I don't get a sense of that. Because because of the 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 camera editing, this is the worst U two show on on DVD. Wait, so your own question was gig or show? Do you think it's a gig or a show? Just I think a, it's a gig. Okay, so and you think it's a badly edited gig? 
yeah, and I and because and, and due to that, I don't, I can't tell you whether I think it's a good gig or a bad gig mm. because the visual represent the, the visual presentation I have of it just drives me up the wall. Well, we I guess you could say that because we saw it live. So what about based off our experience in Manchester? I'll be honest, I remember very very little of that day now. Mm. Um I I remember a huge rush. I I would yeah, say rush, but maybe I was underwhelmed because uh at this point particularly we would watch a lot of U2 DVDs and yeah. and and tapes and it <sighs> So I think what I, I was going there expecting elevation because I didn't get elevation, then I was a little bit underwhelmed. Well, that would have been weird if they just played exactly the same show. But there are parts of the show that I remember that I know I enjoyed a yeah. lot. Um, it's it's just I was young. I was fourteen years old when when I saw them. Mm. So I just I I don't have very clear memories of that day. I remember some parts really clearly. I remember um, being outside uh, outside the staging before they let us in, mm. and. Uh, it started raining and you two were doing the sound check and Bono started singing MLK. Now that was nice. Yeah. That was unique because he was getting rained on as well, and that that made me that made me feel good. Hmm. Um, but really, yeah, I think I prefer the Milan uh, version of this, which eventually we'll get around to. We're, talking about we're at working some point. on something for for doing. The little bits that we've missed out, yeah, like slain that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, so, so yeah. If just because we've not covered something, don't doesn't mean we're not going to do it. We just, <laughs> just there's a lot to get through, and we want to yeah. keep the wheels moving. There's a lot to get through, but there's also in terms of major shows, three sixty innocence. That's kind of it, and I suppose as we're getting towards the end of this um, this whole U two journey, we had a couple of people. Uh, send us suggestions about what we could talk about for our final kind of wrapping up apps. Um, some people were asking, uh, what's our personal best of that would yeah, be something good to do. do that. Yeah. But if there are any other suggestions of things, um, then do send them to us. What would you like us to do? Are there any questions? I don't, if there's someone who's been listening to this, um, from the start or has listened to quite a lot of the episodes and has something they wanted to ask, just ask it because believe me, we will answer it. Yeah. Um, or if you think we should bring it to an end, let you know. Let us know because uh, we we can go off and write an album, and instead mm. and and do that. You can all come to the gig. Yeah. Okay. If you pay for a ticket. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else we need to discuss about Vertigo? Not really. I I think it'll be interesting going on from this one to the next and the next because we properly experience those yeah. and we mature in our fandom as well very tricky time frames coming up for us you know going into uni and yeah all the headaches that come with that and but also something that keeps us unified because we know even if we do even if i'm moving off um to university yeah we can always come back to discuss these in fact, things in 2005 were you you were in college yeah and you were going to go to uni in 2006 yeah yeah, around so, about that so, time frame. Yeah, and I only left high school in two thousand eleven. So between now and three sixty, we were possibly further apart than we we'd ever We've been, been for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely, certainly for a while. Yeah, um, but you two always brought us back together. It did amongst other things, despite know. um, and despite the fact that having go- going to uni at that particular time, 
and then we get stuff like Boots coming out. Uh, it's not exactly a great, well, cool time college. to be a fan. I had college. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before as well. And we've, we've talked about all the, the heartache of being a YouTube fan. But you guys must know about this listening at home. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, that seems like it's uh, that's everything we need to talk about for this week. Next week, we will be back with the 360 tour. We'll be reviewing the uh, Rose Bowl gig. Pasadena, yeah. Uh, thank you. So that's a wrap for this week hope you hope you join us next week but for now we'll see you later bye Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review 2 u or on soundcloud.com forward slash review 2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.